Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. We're back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. UFC 271, just a couple of hours away, taking place in Houston, Texas. The main event, Israel Adesanya, the style bender, takes on the Reaper, Robert Whitaker. Coming up next, in about, let's call it 15 minutes, Israel Adesanya is going to join us right here on the show. But before that, let's talk with Sean Zarillo of the Action Network. Sean, how different is it when you've got a rematch like we have at the top of the main event tonight as far as the gambling money goes? Because anytime that I see somebody get knocked out, I'm hesitant to put my money on the other dude. Yeah, you know what? I, I think a rematch like this is much more difficult, too, where you had both fighters have multiple fights in between, like the, the Figueredo-Moreno fights, much more easy to handicap because they were fighting each other directly, and you could see the improvements against one another and how they matched up. So I think having this long break, you know, the multiple year break and about three or four fights for each guy before getting back to facing one another, having to compare their improvements relative to other opponents is much more difficult. But I think that break definitely helps Whitaker because it, it sort of helped him reset his mind, get back into a groove where he feels like he's on top of the world. And I think it's pretty clear he's established himself as the one beat Adesanya's 1A at minimum. So uh, I definitely think uh, you're going to see a much more composed Robert Whitaker tonight who's not going to go in just hoping to score a first-round knockout, which is clearly what he looked like he was trying to do in the first fight. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned that rematch, uh, the trilogy that we just saw with the flyweights, but like when you're when – you're evaluating something like this like do you typically lean like do you like hearing all of the stuff that comes out from robert because everything he's he's saying sounds good that he is improved he's in a better mindset and things like that we also saw israel adesanya lose in a different weight class so i think that kind of opens up people's eyes to vulnerability or like will you be like like i go back and i watched that fight this morning and all of a sudden i'm thinking man it really wasn't close even though i know that it was three years ago Sure. Yeah. I generally try to tune out the noise. Um, that said, like things like Derek Lewis, right. His last fight against Chris Dawkins, it was very obvious that he was looking to be much more aggressive and, and have a different mindset that he needed to be more aggressive after getting picked apart by gone back up to the fence, just kind of chopped apart. It was obvious that he needed to change his temperament. So I do, I do try to listen to how fighters speak after fights and they're, they're a little more likely to, to reveal what their mindset or their strategy was going into the fight after it's over. But, 
trying to hype up the fight itself, I, I generally tune that stuff out. You know, when guys call what round they're going to score a knockout in or, or things like that, uh, you know, I, I try not to follow that buzz. It's, it's usually just noise. We're talking with Sean Zarillo here at the Action Network on the BetQL Network. The show is called Tapped Out. Looking forward to UFC 271 coming up tonight. Because the fight was three years ago, and you mentioned both the guys are different fighters, which one do you think Izzy or Robert Whitaker is the more improved fighter since the first time around? You know, Izzy sort of had some lackluster performances. He admitted to being bored in the cage against Vittori and, and Blahovich. Um, it didn't really pull away in terms of volume. Obviously, he's 50-45 Vittori, but all of those rounds were competitive. Vittori took his back early. So I, I haven't really seen any direct improvements from Adesanya. If anything, he's, he's seemingly regressed in sort of his output and his his aggression, whereas, you know, he's gotten much more kick-heavy, much more leg kick-heavy. He's not boxing as much. Uh, and Whitaker, you know, we've seen him make, mix in the takedowns. I think he's shot 20-something times in his past three or four fights. Um, so he, it seems like he's actively trying to get better at his wrestling game. I don't know how much success he's going to have with it. It's not like he's a light heavyweight who's going to have a 30-pound weight advantage on Adesanya. But I do think if he's able to mix in the striking and the wrestling, keep Adesanya honest, he can make this fight close and competitive. I'm not sure if I'm going to end up taking a shot on his money line. I took a small stab on his decision prop because I think if it does go to the scorecards, you're going to be wanting to hold a Whitaker ticket. But my read the whole way has been Adesanya by knockout. Again, I just think that that seven-inch length advantage that he has, Whitaker is eventually going to have to blitz into the pocket, and it's hard to imagine him not getting caught at some point. Going into the uh, the co-main event, Sean, we have Derek Lewis versus Ty Tuivasa. These guys are both, you know, promising the fans, you know, first-round knockout, they're going to swing and bang, and it's going to be a hell of a show. I can't wait for this one. What do you like to, to bet in something like this? Like, do you like doing the over-under rounds on something like this? Do you like the fact that Derek Lewis is, uh, you know, that people he's getting a little bit more respect this time around? In a fight like this where we're all hoping for a very fast knockout, what's the smart way to go bet on it? Yeah, normally I'd look to, if this was a fight on the prelims, right, and we, these guys didn't have the fanfare that they do, and it was the same two fighters, but it wasn't Derek Lewis and Taichi Ibasa, but same skill set, I'd look to take an over one and a half here. Because Lewis typically very conservative. Half of his UFC fights have gone over the seven and a half minute mark. Um, tends to put his back against the cage, doesn't really come out firing. And Ty can sort of, if Ty's smart about it, can, can sit on the outside, kick his leg, chew him up. And actually has some upside as an underdog, but we obviously know Lewis's power is an anomaly. And I think the fact that it's the co-main event, the fact that this fight came together so quickly, both of these guys seemingly understand what's on the line and they have promised the best possible version of this fight. We just talked about the fact that I generally tune out the noise. I bet the under one and a half before it had heard anything what these guys had to say. Just Lewis's regression of late, the success that ties have coming forward. I would imagine at some point Ty's gonna press. Throw a naked leg kick. Lewis is going to launch forward. And if Ty doesn't back up, one of them is going down. So definitely the under one and a half for me. I've seen it as low as minus 155, as high as minus 200. Would definitely shop around for the best price. But I think this is certainly the type of violence fight where we expect violence and we're going to get it. I don't think this is going to be a staring contest. But what do you want to see more afterwards? Do you want to see the crowd, everybody drinking beer out of their shoes? Or do you want the crazy Derek Lewis post-fight interview? You know, I, I really like both of these guys. It's very tough to pick. You know, I don't want to see either of them get knocked out, honestly. Um, if, if one of them ends up doing a cuppy, the beer out of the cup, I think uh, we're all going to end up winning. That's unbelievable. It's as so soon foul. as you said that, I, so I, I vomited in my mouth. Like, honestly, when I watch him do the shoey in and of itself, <laughs> it kind of makes me a little bit queasy. But when you talk about 
a cuppy from a guy who's already said that his, you know, his, his balls is hot. Like, I'm not sure that's the <laughs> cup that I necessarily want to drink out. Uh, we, we got Sean Zarillo here on the uh, BetQL Network. He covers the UFC for the Action Network. Real quick, how sure are you that that fight one way or the other is going to end in a knockout? Because we're talking about what round it's going to end in. We're talking about what guy we're leaning toward. What about just the it's going to end in a knockout prop? Because combined in their last seven fights, you look at Derek Lewis, three straight knockouts, tied to Ivasa in his four-fight winning streak, all by knockout. That's the one that looks tasty to me, Sean. Like, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to end up on their ass. Yeah, so I, you know, I project out lines for every fighter and I project out a percentage of their win condition. Um, so I have 80% knockout for Derek Lewis's win condition, 70% for Tui Vasa. Um, so, you know, I guess that's 56% combined over half the time. Um, that, you know, that, that sounds, that sounds about right. A little bit over uh, even money. Um, but I, I would really, I think if we get it, we're either going to get a, an early finish with one of them, or Derek is eventually going to stop Ty late. I don't think Ty's cardio is the best. Derek doesn't have good cardio when he gets to the championship rounds, but that's why he likes fighting three-round fights, because he knows he can make it 15 minutes. So I think either early or Derek late, uh, or we just see Derek end up winning a staring contest decision. But I, like I said, based on the attitude of these two, I don't think that's going to end up happening. But he is 4-0 on the scorecards for his career, so it certainly leans away if it's going 15. Uh, we were just breaking down the card in the opening segment, Sean. I'd say the fight that I'm looking forward to, it seems like it has some real stakes to it, but I don't really have a hot take one way or the other the way it leans is Cannoneer versus Derek Brunson. Uh, there's a lot on the line for these guys, but it's a pretty evenly matched fight. How do you see this one? What do you like in here as far as the, uh, the wagering is concerned? Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yeah, Cannoneer is my biggest bet on the card. I absolutely love this spot for him. Looking back at Brunson's run, made some obvious improvements since moving down to Sanford. You know, his win streak's legitimate. He's looked great. He's mixing in his wrestling and striking because they're better than ever. It used to, it used to be obvious what he was trying to do when he was coming to take you down. He, he now hides those takedowns better. But Cannoneer, unlike Brunson's opponents, his recent opponents, actually tries to get up when you put him on his back. His takedown defensive middleweight is 85%. He's incredibly strong. He almost has that Derek Lewis-like ability where wrestling and jiu-jitsu don't work on him. He just sort of stands up, and you can't do anything to stop it. Uh, I definitely think Brunson will get some takedowns early in this fight, maybe one or two. But I do expect Canadier to pop up, and we've seen Brunson's cardio be a major question. Durability is obviously a question. I was holding a Brunson ticket in that Holland fight. I was actually very big on Brunson against Holland. I think he's plus 180, maybe close, plus 200. And in round four and five, I was sweating because every time Holland was able to escape back to his feet, 
Brunson looked like he was totally exhausted. He ended up finding a trip, getting him back to the ground, but it looked like he was one clean exchange away from dying. And I think Cannoneer is going to be the guy to do it. Brunson still closes distance with his chin up in the air. I think he could get caught coming in. I think he could get caught backing up to the fence after being a little tired. Uh, I think this is just a great matchup for Cannoneer. Fights out of both stances. And I think he, he's just going to put it on Brunson uh, unless he's spending the entire fight on his back. So the, the, the recent win streak of Brunson hasn't aged well in hindsight for me. His opponents, I believe, are 1-6 one six, one six with one no contest since, that, since fighting him. Uh, and I, I just don't think they're, uh, those wins are as legitimate in hindsight as they might have appeared at the time. Darren Hill fighting on one knee and you know, a lot of other factors to consider. Lots of great numbers. Sean Zarillo of the Action Network joining us here on Tapped Out. Uh, speaking of numbers, do you see this as a true number one contender fight as the winner of this one get the winner of the main event? The Brunson thing is weird, right? Because he's already faced Adesanya, and Adesanya has mentioned that he, he wants to face fresh opponents, clean out the entire division. They didn't fight for a title, but Adesanya did finish him in the first round. And Cannoneer, you know, he, he has the potential to score a very vicious knockout here. So I, I do think the fact that Cannoneer hasn't faced Adesanya before, he's set up, provided Whitaker doesn't win the main event and they set up for a trilogy. Yeah, I think Cannoneer versus Adesanya is what the USC would be targeting next. And also the Brunson thing, the fact that he mentioned that he might retire in two fights. I don't think they're going to want to give him the opportunity to retire with the belt. So uh, maybe they match up Strickland and Brunson, or, or they do something else if Brunson ends up winning this fight, just to, to kick the can on down the line a little bit. Sean, I'm curious what you think of this. So, like, there was a lot of news this week about, uh, you know, the Kamal Usman's manager was trying to stir it up with a super fight between uh, Usman and Adesanya. But we're talking. We're seeing both these guys get rematches now. They're cleaning out the division. You know, if Izzy beats Robert Whitaker tonight, where, where do you stand between the both of them in their title reigns right now? Is there one that you are more impressed with as opposed to the other? And then, do you think that there's enough money on the table where we could? I know they're saying the right thing now, but it doesn't really feel like there's much left for either one of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't like these guys say that they're friends. I'm, I don't want to judge anything. I don't know how friendly they are. Like we've seen Ngano show up in Usman's corner, Usman show up in Ngano's corner. It's not like Adesanya is out there cornering for these guys, you know, in their title fights. So I'm not sure like how close their their actual friendship is, but they do seem friendly enough to the point where I don't think they necessarily want to try to take a title away from each other. Um, you know, they, that said, there's still challenges for Usman upcoming, right? With Hamza climbing the rankings, everybody wants to see that fight. Eventually, and if Hamza gets through Burns, I think we're going to see it happen quicker than we all might have anticipated. So definitely still challenges left uh, for both of them. Like I said, Cannoneer for Adesanya, maybe Strickland for Adesanya. So until these guys clean out the division, maybe another year or so of defenses, I don't think uh, there's going to be a real serious consideration on the USB's behalf to putting that fight together. What do you think ends up happening, Sean, with the – I, I don't know if you, we don't, don't call it vacant because it's in the hands of Nganu right now, the heavyweight belt, but we know he's going to have surgery or maybe can completely walk. Like, that's still completely up for grabs. What do you think happens in the interim, for lack of a better word? John Jones versus Stipe seems to make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that's the obvious fight to make. It's a really interesting stylistic matchup. Kind of a better move to heavyweight for Jones, right, against the guy in Stipe who doesn't carry serious power. I mean, he carries power, but not the power at the level of a Derek Lewis or a Francis Ngannou. So I actually think that's a, that's a solid way for Jones to transition to heavyweight and sort of break in. I typically look to fade fighters 
when they're moving up from light heavyweight to heavyweight, it's just a different level of power. Uh, I remember, I think it was Gustafson going up against Fabricio Verdum was some of the easiest money I've ever made on Verdum at like plus 300. So definitely look to fade those guys typically when they're moving up in class. And, you know, frankly, Jones didn't look that great in his past few fights since we've seen him. So, you know, the controversial Reyes decision and et cetera. So, uh, yeah, I think that is certainly the fight to make, though. And I think that would be a, a pretty big money fight for the UFC. Sean, great numbers, great insight, brother. We appreciate your time. Sean Zarillo of the Action Network. Thanks, man. Guys, thank you so much for having me. Best of luck with the fights tonight. Thank you. Yeah, enjoy.